Matthew 26. What we did last week, if you weren't with us, we had our Christmas program. And so we had a couple passages in Matthew 26, and we talked about the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover. But the neat thing about it is there's this great passage in the book of Psalms where it says the whole book is written about the Messiah. So what we did is we talked about how the Feast of Unleavened and Passover, maybe things that we kind of focus on in the spring. Those are the spring festivals. Jesus is the Passover lamb that was slain for us. But yet if the whole book speaks about Christ, we went back to the Christmas story in Matthew 3 and saw how Jesus is that Passover lamb. And what we talked about was how we need to not take all these different holidays, if you will, and compartmentalize them. You know, we joke a lot out here that so often what happens is at Christmas, we have Jesus in the nativity, and then what happens in the spring, we have him in the cross and the empty tomb. Then from basically about April to November, we kind of forget about him, and then we come back and do it again. The whole idea is that every idea, every holiday is really a picture of Christ. When you come to celebrate Resurrection Day in the spring, you're also celebrating his coming at Christmas. When you come to celebrate Christmas, you're also celebrating his death on the cross. It all comes together. The whole book is written about me. So as we are here in Matthew 26, we're in the last day of Jesus' life on this earth. We're in the last hours before the cross. And you would stop and think, well, this would be a message for the spring talking about Good Friday and Resurrection Day, but actually, as you look at this, it's actually a picture of Christmas. So look at Matthew 26, look at verse 17. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at the house with the disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. Now I want to focus on one word here. And I want to tie it into everything we've been talking about. Take a look in verse 17. Where do you want us to prepare for the Passover? And we also see in verse 19 that they prepared the Passover. Now, that word prepare. It's a lot of work to prepare a Passover meal. If you've never been involved in a Passover meal before, there's a lot of background, a lot of work that goes in it. We've done a few of them out here at church, and they're a wonderful blessing and a great picture of Christ. But there's a lot of preparation towards it. And that word prepared really hit me. Now, God is always preparing things, even though you may not see it. Best example of this is the book of Jonah. If you remember the book of Jonah, it's only four chapters long. And if you're looking for a fun little study, I encourage you, take a look at the book of Jonah. It's about God working behind the scenes. God prepares the fish for Jonah. Then the Bible says that God prepared the plant that Jonah sat under. Then God prepared the worm that ate the plant. Then God prepared the wind that came and destroyed it. It, Just God is preparing all these things. And it's about God working behind the scenes. He's always doing things. So therefore, when I see this passage right here about going to the city and say to a certain man, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I'll keep the Passover at your house. There's more going on behind the scenes with that. And let's talk about it. Keep your hand here in Matthew 26. We'll come back. But go with me to Luke 22. Luke 22. Let's look at Luke's account of this. Luke 22. God working behind the scenes. Luke 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. 
So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Boy, God ordained right there. Remember just a couple weeks ago when we had the triumphant entry, Jesus rode in on a donkey, fulfilling prophecy in Zechariah. And if you remember that story, Jesus told his disciples, hey, go over to this area, and you're going to find a donkey tied up. Go ahead and untie it and take it. If somebody asks you what you're doing, to say the master has need of it. God working behind the scenes, so therefore that can be taken care of. Here, working out this Passover meal. Now, once again, I want to stress to you how big of a deal this was. There could have been millions of extra people here at Jerusalem for this Passover meal. Millions of extra people. And you wouldn't wait to the last moment to prepare this. To have a space available, that would be very rare. And plus just the walk of faith of this. Go up to a man carrying a pitcher of water, follow him home. Then ask the guy at the house, hey, where can we eat the Passover? It's hard to find an analogy, but imagine like Thanksgiving morning. You walk into Walmart and you see a guy with a gallon of milk and you just follow him home. And then you get to his house and you just go up to the master of the house and say, hey, I'm going to eat Thanksgiving dinner with you. It's a little creepy. God is moving and working here behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Now, here's the first point about this. Keep focusing on that word prepared. God is always moving behind the scenes even when you don't see it. So if you came in here this morning and you're having a hard time with your kids, God's working behind the scenes in their lives. Holy Spirit's speaking to them. You're praying, you're trying to be a light, but the Lord's also working in their heart. Maybe you came in here this morning and your marriage is in a tough spot. God's working behind the scenes. Same Holy Spirit that's speaking to you, the same Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Well, the problem is we don't see it. You're right, you don't see it. That's why it's called behind the scenes. You have to walk out in faith. See, one of the most important passages this morning is in verse 13. So they went. They didn't question. They didn't argue. They went. Peter and John. Why Peter and John? They had quite the future ahead of them. Peter, in the first part of the book of Acts, is one of the key leaders in the early church. He has to learn to walk by faith. Peter, just one more chapter, is going to completely fail and deny Christ three times. The Lord is giving him some opportunities to work up, build up. John is the disciple that church tradition teaches us, lived until his 90s, lived the longest of our disciples, had the longest ministry. God is using these people, building them up. Now, there's a couple points on that. First one is this. If you want to be used by the Lord, you have to be willing to be used in what we call the little things, in the steps of faith. You're not going to have this instantaneous, successful ministry. It doesn't work that way. You have to plant seeds. You have to be willing to be faithful. If you want to be a great student in the Bible and really know God's word, then you have to be faithful in those little times to say, I'm going to shut the television off and focus on the Lord and spend time in his word and grow. Peter and John had to be faithful to say, the Lord just gave us a task that doesn't make any sense. Go find this guy carrying a pitcher of water, follow him home, and tell the master of the house we want to eat there. Yeah. That's faith. And what does it say in verse 13? So they went. They were obedient to it. No questioning, no arguing. Lord, you've told me what to do, and in faith I will obey and do it. That's hard to do, isn't it? We're running into right now at home, and I say this in a teasing, fun way, and for you that have kids, maybe you ran into this with yours at all, our oldest Elias, who's now 11 years old, wants to be involved with everything. And he needs to know what's going on. That's what he needs to. For example, I had a phone call this morning with a church situation. So it's like 7.45, the phone rings, I take care of it. I get off the phone, Lias goes, well, well, who was that? Nothing to do with you, buddy. Well, what would they want? Don't worry about it. Lias is one that will go into the kitchen and check the calendar. 
and to start making sure that everything is in order. You know what I mean? Where are we going? What are we doing? What's the plan? We're going to go to town. Well, where are we going first? Can you have the order of the events? Mom, your phone just dinged. Someone texted you. You want me to read it? No, Elias. No. We're doing fine. So if this was Elias in here in verse 12, then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. Verse 13 would say, then Elias stopped and asked Jesus a lot of questions. These guys just went. I'm just telling you right now, if your walk of faith with the Lord is not a walk of faith, but it's a walk of observance, Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do when I completely see and understand the plan. Then you're not walking in faith. Walking in faith sometimes means I have no idea what tomorrow will bring. Sometimes it's I have no idea what the next hour will bring. But in faith, I trust you. And just like Peter and John went, and what do they do in verse 13? Went and found it just as he said to them. Boy, how many times does God have to prove his faithfulness? You ever thought about that? I had so many situations this last week where God just keeps proving his faithfulness. Why do I keep doubting I just want to share a couple quick stories with you of just what the Lord's done in, in my life here to show his faithfulness. Dawn and I were kind of doing some stuff, and I, and I don't tell this story to elevate us because the next story, I de-elevate us. Don't worry about that. We decided that uh, there was a ministry that we wanted to support, just a local Christian radio station. And we said, okay, let's go ahead and do that, and decided we're just going to give them 25 bucks. And it was just one of those things. I was like, okay, go support that. Once you know it, in the mail that day, I get a letter from the state of Ohio And how's this for a great thing? I'm the one that has a degree in finance. I did my taxes for the state of Ohio wrong, and I got a refund of 25 bucks. Actually, I got a refund of $25.46 because it was 25, but I got 46 cents of interest. That's a whole other story and why it took them eight months to figure it out. But, and then Dawn and I started saying, why am I doing my taxes if someone's going to go ahead and do them again for me? That's a whole other conversation. We give 25, and guess what happens? God gives you 25 bucks back and 46 cents. We were going out to town the other day and we were going to go out to eat. We were with somebody and we decided that we were going to go out to eat. And I had this brief little grumbling moment in my heart. No one else knew about it. There's, there's seven of us. It's kind of expensive for us to go out to eat. And the, we were going to go, the person we were with, like when we go out to eat, don't judge me. It's like, you know what? Everybody, you go through McDonald's, you get two items. That's what you get. You know what I mean? We can budget this. We can plan this. The person that wanted to go out to eat wanted to go to a little bit nicer restaurant. Once again, there's seven of us. That adds up pretty quick. So grumbled for a moment within my heart and finally said, okay, Lord, we're going to do this. So here we are sitting, and there's a total of eight of us. We don't all fit at a table, so we're in two separate booths. And out of the blue, this woman comes over to us and says, I just want to let you know I love large families. Love large families. And so she goes, I'm going to help pay your bill. Just help pay your bill. And at that moment, you know, my boys are rejoicing. Dawn's rejoicing. I just shrink, you know. I just absolutely shrink. Lord, you're faithful. Literally, and I'm not exaggerating, literally minutes before, I'm grumbling in my heart thinking, man, I don't want to do this. This is just, why can't we just do something cheap? And all of a sudden, the Lord just does it. He's always working behind the scenes. Always working behind the scenes. And it's a shame that it still takes us decades of walking with the Lord to realize, Lord, you've proved your faithfulness in absolutely everything. Why, why not trust you in this right now? So with that being said, Faith is rewarding you in your actions because you have to have the action to be walking in faith. 
If you sit there and say, I have faith and do nothing, where's your faith? I go back to verse 13. They went and found it. Faith motivated them to do something. Faith empowers you to take the steps that you normally wouldn't. That's walking in faith. Because God is working behind the scenes when you don't see it. Now, how does this have to do with Christmas then? Let's go to the Christmas story. Go with me to Luke, please. Luke. Luke chapter 2. Actually, Luke chapter 1. Let's start there. Luke chapter 1. God is always preparing. He's always moving. He's always doing things behind the scenes that we know nothing about. And he asks us in faith this to trust it. Do you realize this Christmas story has more elements of faith in it than what you can ever imagine? Now, most of the time when we think of the Christmas story, we start in Luke chapter 2. That's the very famous passage in verses 1 through 20 are probably the most famous passages of the Christmas story. I love those verses. But the true Christmas story starts in Luke chapter 1. Because there's two miraculous births around Christmas. The first one we all know about. The virgin had the baby, Mary. But in Luke chapter 1, there's another miraculous birth where Elizabeth and Zacharias have a miracle child themselves. See, look at verse 7 of Luke chapter 1. It says, but they had no child. Actually, go back to verse 6. They were both, this is Elizabeth and Zacharias, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. They were both well advanced in years. Had no kids, weren't able to have children. So what happens here? There's this miraculous birth. Verse 11, same chapter. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Zacharias, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. He shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people, here's our word, prepared for the Lord. Okay, just like we read in Matthew 26... God miraculously is preparing this Passover meal. Guess what he's doing at Christmas time? Miraculously preparing all this stuff. The first preparation, first preparation, is this miraculous birth to Elizabeth of John. Don't skip over that first miracle birth. Because John becomes John the Baptist, and his whole point is to do what? Point people towards Jesus Christ. He's the forerunner that goes out into the wilderness and, as our word says right there, prepares people to meet Jesus. That's God moving behind the scenes. What else is he doing behind the scenes? Go to Luke chapter 2. Now, once again, as I mentioned earlier, we normally do verses 1 through 20 as our Christmas passage. Because starting in verses 21 on, it's about Jesus getting circumcised at eight days. You don't see that on a lot of Christmas cards. You really don't. But we need to talk about that. So you stop at verse 20, you got the shepherds, you got the angels. It's this amazing Christmas story. Then eight days later, they take him to the temple because that's what they're supposed to do when her purification is complete. Excuse me, circumcised at 21. And then when her days of purification are complete, she comes to the temple like she's supposed to. And then we're introduced to this man by the name of Simeon. Look at verse 25. Remember, Jesus is just still a newborn child. And behold, there was a man in the Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, 
waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, here's our word, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon was prepared to see the Messiah. Simeon was prepared to be the prophet, to tell us what Jesus was going to do. Jesus, in verse 30, is going to bring salvation to everybody. Verse 32, to bring salvation to the Gentiles. See, God is preparing all this behind the scenes. So when you look at Christmas, there is the miraculous birth of Jesus. But what was going on also? God was preparing. Preparing John the Baptist beforehand. God was preparing Simeon to have this prophecy afterwards. Because the whole Bible, the whole Bible is about Christ. And I want you to remember this. So often when you get to this week of Christmas, you're going to focus on the nativity. You're going to focus on the baby Jesus. And amen. But I want you to see the whole picture at one time. Why did Christ come as a baby? He came as a baby because he wanted to be a part of the world to therefore live and die for our sins. So when you think about that baby in the manger, I want you also to jump ahead a few months and think about Resurrection Day and his death on the cross. But I also want you to think too to this miraculous birth of John the Baptist. I want you to think back to Simeon. I want you to look at the whole context. See, so often when we do Christmas messages, we do go to Matthew, we do go to Luke, and those are wonderful stories. But I want you to see the whole picture that God is doing. Just like we talked about last week. The Passover, unleavened bread. Those don't seem like much of a Christmas words. But Jesus was the Passover lamb. And he came to die for our sins. In fact, the first mention of Christmas is found in Genesis chapter 3. Because in Genesis chapter 3, the first prophecy of the Bible was given. That what? Eve's descendants would have a child who would crush the head of Satan. What is that? That's Jesus coming in the flesh to defeat the enemy at the cross. Your first Christmas verse is found in Genesis chapter 3. Because the whole book, Genesis to Revelation, is really a picture of God preparing. Preparing what? To take care of the sins of the world. Working behind the scenes when you and I don't see it. So what is going on now then behind the scenes? Let's go to John 14, please. John 14. We've seen God preparing with Jonah. That's just one example of the Old Testament. What about when Abraham took Isaac up to be sacrificed and God prepared prepared the sacrifice to be caught in the bush beside? Or what happened when Moses didn't want to go into Egypt and God prepared for Aaron to show up? God is always moving behind the scenes. We talked about two examples in the Gospels. The Passover meal, the donkey for triumphant entry, God preparing. The miraculous birth of John the Baptist, which was prepared. Simeon that was prepared. What's going on right now? How about John 14, verse 1? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I just need to stop there real quick. That's one of those verses that we just need to stop when we read it and just do a quick reminder. I don't know what you guys brought in this morning. 
I don't know what's going on with health. I don't know what's going on with job situations, financial. I don't know what's going on in, in maybe your life, your marriage, your walk with the Lord. But I do know this. God says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. Here's our word. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. God is still preparing things right now. The Bible, when it speaks about heaven, it says that God is preparing this place that we can't even verbally describe. We can't even think about how amazing it is. That's what's going on right now. So as we see God prepared all this stuff in the past, he's still doing things right now behind the scenes that we don't even get a glimpse of. Right now, his Holy Spirit is speaking to your loved one that's lost. Because God loves that person so much, he's speaking truth and salvation to them. I pray they listen. Right now, the Lord is working things out behind the scenes that you don't even realize. You don't even realize. Maybe there's something you're anxious about this morning. God is moving where you don't see it. Maybe there's something that's going to happen, and you don't even know what's going to happen. You're not even worried about what could happen yet, because you can't even imagine it. God's already preparing. God's already preparing. Anytime I get a phone call or text from somebody, say, hey, taking a loved one into the ER. I start praying, obviously, for health. I start praying for safety. And I also start praying that the right doctors and the right nurses are on call, on duty. All this is being prepared behind the scenes because we don't even know what's happening. So what is Jesus doing right now? He's preparing a place for you. Wow. He's never stopped preparing. He never stops working behind the scenes. Verse 4, And the where I go you know and the way you know. Now we have to stop for a second. Because look at Thomas, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Thomas gets a bad rap, doesn't he? Doubting Thomas. I do not like the term doubting Thomas. If you look in the Bible, whenever Thomas speaks, I think the better term for Thomas is what I call honest Thomas. He says what everybody else is thinking, but what everybody else is afraid to say. At this point, it's Jesus and the eleven. Judas has already left. And Jesus says, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Can't you imagine all the other disciples looking at each other and just kind of nodding their heads and just agreeing, which they have no idea? Thomas just kind of looks around at everybody. It's like, yeah, Lord, we don't know what you're talking about. He was honest enough to say it. They come and say, Thomas, we saw the Messiah. You got to believe us. Honest Thomas. Well, you know what? When I can see the nail prints in his hands, then I'll believe you guys. We get pick on Thomas a lot, but I tell you this, I've been involved in lots of ministries board meetings, groups, etc. You want one honest Thomas in that group that's not afraid to ask the questions that no one else is afraid to ask. Because Thomas will say, I don't know where you're going, Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Because what you get is this beautiful verse. Because of Thomas' honest question, you get verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because Why? Thomas was honest enough to say, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. And verse 6, there's your Christmas verse right there. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now listen, you guys are going to know where I'm going to go with this point as soon as I start saying it. But just listen, hear it out. You know in this next week, you're going to have family events going on. You're going to have decorations. You're going to have meals. You're going to have gifts. You're going to have last-minute shopping. Parents are going to be worried whether you got the right gift for them or not. Grandparents are going to be concerned. Did you get enough for your grandkids? There's going to be all this emotion going on that has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Absolutely nothing. 
Please remember that as you get into this final week. This final week here is not about trees and decorations and gifts and lights. Those are all have their place and fun. What is it about is what? That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. I go back to what we said during announcements. When we have an opportunity to donate some of these gifts or meals, the blessing of being able to say to maybe some of the people that don't know the Lord, we give this to you in the name of Jesus. It's not about just fulfilling some list. It's about stopping and saying, we are representing Jesus Christ, and this is a tangible way to show the love of Christ to you. I encourage you, this last week, as you get closer to Christmas, what is it really about? It's about verse 6, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And that God has prepared all of this. He's prepared it all. And so if he prepared John the Baptist in that miraculous birth, if he prepared Simeon, if he's preparing a place for you now, and he prepared the Passover meal and the donkey, if he prepared all that, what are you facing right now that you need to trust that the Lord is working behind the scenes? It was a beautiful walk of faith just to step back and say, Lord, this is what I want to trust you in. This is what I want to believe that you're moving and working even when I don't see it. Can we finish with this? Can you go with me to Hebrews 11, please? Getting ahead of myself a little bit because we're going through Hebrews on our Wednesday night study. And we're up to Hebrews 11 right now. But as we're talking about having faith that God is moving and working behind the scenes. And it doesn't make sense. See, we didn't read the full story there in Luke chapter 1. But Zacharias, when he was announced the birth of his son, he didn't fully believe. And so he was mute until the baby was born. How often has God wanted to move and work in your life and you're like, yeah, Lord, I don't, I don't know about this. It's faith. Look here at faith, verse 1 of Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Please do realize this very simplistic point. If you have to see it to believe it, then it's not faith. Faith is trusting that the Lord is going to work in your life when you have no evidence to prove that he is. Faith is trusting that the Lord is going to get you through this storm when you really can't even see a way out or a way of escape. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Do you catch the theme? You can't see it. Jump ahead to verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you want the reward of walking in faith, then you need to step out and trust that the Lord is moving and working even when you don't see it. And I encourage you this Christmas season that you would stop and realize God has prepared everything all the way back to the miraculous birth of Jesus and John all the way to his death on the cross. It's all been prepared. The resurrection's been prepared and right now, according to John 14, he's preparing a place for you. He's moving behind the scenes when we don't see it and we don't realize it. So we're going to kind of close up here real quick. And I know it's a busy week and we had some of the worship team weren't able to stick around for the closing song. So we're going to close with a word of prayer on our own. And just want to remind you next, next Sunday, 8.30 and 10 o'clock, 
is the uh, Christmas messages. And I hope you can come out. We'll do a short little Christmas devotional. It won't be real long. And then also Christmas Eve at 6.30. If you signed up for the angel tree uh, for gifts to be delivered, make sure those get delivered back in the office there. If you signed up for the Christmas meals, please let have that out here by Wednesday so we can deliver those. And I tell you, I appreciate you guys coming out. I know it was a cold, uh, kind of slippery morning there. Thankfully, the sun's out. Hopefully, the roads are a lot better for you guys on the way home. And hey, let's just pray. Would you guys stand with me as we close out here with prayer? Lord, as we just come to you now, um, I thank you for being a God that works behind the scenes, even when we don't see it. And if there's someone here this morning that just needs to be reminded of that, I pray in the name of Jesus, you're speaking to their heart right now, to trust you, to trust you with whatever they're facing. Thank you for being a God that works in faith. Help us to walk in faith from this point forward. Lord, increase our faith in you, because we can't do this on our own. And for this next week and the craziness of the world, help us not to get choked out by anything, but to remember that you are the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through you. We love you, thank you, and praise you. We lift this up in your name. Amen.